and welcome to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health Podcast. My name is Sally Nilsson and I'm a psychotherapist, published author, public speaker and mum. I discovered my autism and ADHD aged 56 in March 2021 and having rewritten my life story, I'm on a quest to advocate for neurodivergent community. I hope you enjoy listening to my incredible guests sharing their experiences of autism, ADHD, dyslexia, dyspraxia, dyscalculia, Tourette's and OCD. We talk about growing up, education, work and personal stories and how mental health has played its part in shaping lives. Our conversations cover spectrums, traits, challenges, acceptance and successes. So sit back, relax and find out what it means to feel, think and be different in a neurotypical world. So hi Mavs, it's uh, really, really good to meet you. Um, We've spoken a little bit before and the way I um, got to find out about you is uh, because I listened to a fantastic audio play um, by Samantha Grierson, which will come on to, I'm not even going to say the name of it at the moment. And also I'd had a look at some of your amazing um, photographs. So we've got lots to talk about today. And uh, I wonder if we could just start um, the podcast, if we may. Please introduce yourself in any way you like, but I would love to know where you get the name Mavs as well. So it's over to you. Hello, my name is Mavs. I'm 27 years old. I live in South Yorkshire. Uh, The name Mavs actually comes from my initials. So it's Matthew Alexander beat and then just a z added on the end so mavs beat yeah and it's just so great i mean it's a great stage name it's a great nickname it's i love it so i had to ask you about that so thank you very much for starting us off with your name and um if i may i'd like to ask you what is your neurodivergence Uh, i am uh, autistic so you're autistic, and um, how long ago did you discover you're autistic? Uh, about nine, ten years ago. So nine, ten years ago, and you, did you say you're 20 now? 27. Oh, 27, honestly, you look so young. You, uh, our listeners can't see you, but you have lovely skin, and uh, so you're 27. So you found out about um, eight or nine years ago. And, you know, I, I normally like to sort of, you know, ask my guests, how, how was it for you, you know, growing up, um, you know, sort of starting at primary and middle and secondary school and college? You know, how was it for you with your learning abilities or any struggles with education generally? You know, t- tell me how it was for you, Mads. Um, it was quite a, a struggle going through education, being mostly being undiagnosed because of undiagnosed uh, autism so I didn't receive any kind of uh, support or assistance with my with my studying so things like things like exams and tests were quite difficult because I can be uh, quite easily 
uh, distracted, it find it hard to focus my mind on things like that. And also just sometimes like sensory things as well, you know, like the, the environment that, that you're in can be quite challenging. And it was a bit of an awkward time because, because again, because I was undiagnosed autistic. So um, like I would be like stimming in school and people didn't understand what it was. So they would kind of find it funny, uh, sort of laugh at it. But, but also because I didn't understand it as well. I didn't know why, why I was doing these things. Yeah, and and that's really interesting, actually. So when my children were going to school, and it's actually a very good friend of mine, her son, um, she knew he had special needs, but he wasn't diagnosed um, autistic. But he would flap a lot, and he'd be at the um, at the edge of the playground, and he wasn't joining in with people. He preferred to be on his own. And but uh, I haven't actually come across anybody who's who said to me that they weren't aware of their own. Um, they didn't know what it meant. So were you were you sort of flapping and not knowing what you were doing and drawing attention to yourself and the stims that you were doing and not liking it? Was that sort of thing happening? Yeah, exactly. Because I because I I flapped a lot. I I used to flap a lot as a kid, and I I didn't know why, and nobody knew why so people would sometimes say to me just stop flapping yeah but but most of the time like just not even aware that i'm doing it so i just i can't stop it that must have been quite anxiety making do you know did that did that sort of frustrate you and upset you you know if people were saying stop flapping and you're thinking well i don't know why i'm doing it it, it did it, it it was very it, it did it made me very uh, anxious it made me want to kind of just withdraw from people and just just want to be on my own I can understand that and you know did it get to the point of any bullying I mean did you have either teachers or um, other kids at the school you know picking on you and teasing you because you know teachers even now they can be just as bad as um, kids can't they um I don't think it ever really got that bad. I mean, you know, some people would kind of like make fun of it, but I don't think it ever really nothing like extreme. Not good, you know. And but um, but I, and with and with teachers, I think a lot of teachers would sometimes um, like because I would sometimes need things repeating back to me, like I I need a lot of clarification i need reassurance so um it's like when doing you know work at school they tell you right this is what we're going to be doing and then you just go off and do it so i'd be going to a teacher and saying oh can you just repeat this for me can you just kind of explain this part to me again and they would just straight away accuse me of not listening not paying yeah. attention but like no I, I am paying attention i'm just asking you just to clarify one more time so that I know I'm doing it correctly yes yeah and that and and it's yeah I mean I remember that myself you know I think I had auditory processing disorder and it was definitely a case of um you know not uh, hating being put on the spot 
or definitely if there were multiple instructions for homework and things like that, that, that was really difficult. So, um, so you went through school and how far did you get with school? Did you go to college? Did you go on to college? Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I did go to college. Yeah. And what, what did you study when you were at um, college? Creative media, film and TV. Oh, and that, you know, if, if I'd been younger, I would have loved to have studied that. And did you really enjoy that? What were the sort of favourite parts of, um, of that whole course that you really enjoyed? I enjoyed the process of making films, especially the, the editing. I found I really enjoyed editing uh, visual and audio footage. Yes. And, and I mean, for me, it's all the, in the old days, it was all wheel to reel and all the buttons and everything else. I mean, I, I would have loved that. In fact, I've just seen a, an incredible film with uh, Toby Jones, um, uh, uh, and he's an editor of horror films. Have you seen that? Um, it's a, it's it, a horror thing. It's a what's it called? Oh yeah, I see. I don't know. I'm name blindness, but it's oh. really, really good. Look at look at look it up. It's really excellent. Oh, so um, I've seen um, your incredible photos on Instagram, and um, you know they're from fashion shoots. They're a mixture of you know the clothes you're wearing and some really, really amazing um, body painting. And, you know, can you tell me a little bit about that? Because you're a model and, and I'd love to know about, you know, this part of your life. T tell me a little bit about that. Uh, I started doing that about four years ago now. And it was just something that I just felt like I wanted to explore. And it just seemed like kind of a creative thing to to do in my just in, in my spare time really and I just really got into it and it's incredible you know um people you know you've got a, a big following you've got a big following on Instagram and you have actually if I'm right in saying you've recently um actually done a fashion show so t tell me about the fashion show and some of the outfits you were wearing uh, yeah I recently did a fashion show in uh, Liverpool where I'd modelled for different uh, designers so modelling things like there was one designer who does leather jackets with like, prints on the back and there were uh, kind of like evening gowns and uh, vintage fashion ensembles. And there was a, a well that was that fashion show the one where I saw you in the most beautiful, beautiful, shimmering lilac pink dress and it sort of came far, quite far down the dress and yeah. then you've got the most uh, amazing headpiece and it's, it's not just that, it's your presence. You, you have such a wonderful way that you, that you stand and that you hold yourself and the expression on your face and the makeup is absolutely lovely. I can really see that you enjoy it. Yeah, thanks. No, I, I do. I, I really do enjoy it. Yeah. Well, I do recommend. I mean, we're going to put your links on at the end of the podcast. And please, please, please have a look at Mab's um, photos because they, they are just, just wonderful. 
And um, so, you know, during your life, Mabs, you know, what would you say may have been your kind of biggest challenges um, that have, you know, affected your mental health and, and, you know, have impacted you, do you think? Um, I suppose the, the one of the biggest challenges I've had that's really had an impact was um, I... I, I, I was in a, a relationship yeah. that uh, came to an end about a year ago. And how long were, was the relationship for? Uh, just over a year. And was that uh, one of the sort of more serious relationships you'd had? Yeah, but also the only one. So, oh, and so, oh, so that was heartbreak par excellence i imagine yeah um because it when when we were in our relationship it was during the covid lockdowns all right and i'd chosen to be with her yeah but then i think i guess things just became a bit strained between us and how, how are you now? I mean, I just want to make sure that you're okay. Are you, are you over it? I mean, sometimes you don't even get over your first love, do you? How, how are you now? I'm okay. Still kind of processing it, but overall, I'm, I'm all right with it. And... You know, I mean, I'm a psychotherapist, as you know, and I'm not going to therapize you now on this podcast. I absolutely <laughs> not. But I suppose, you know, sometimes it can just be so difficult and so heart wrenching. And, you know, sometimes we need a we definitely need a duvet day. We need to just get under the covers and shut the world away. Other times, maybe we can get out in nature or, or just go and, and go mad, really go out and just go a bit crazy. Um, you know, how do you, how do you manage to just keep yourself together? Um, I think I, I just try and surround myself with uh, good people and just try to enjoy my, myself, my life as much as possible, you know, so... Because like, one of the things I, I love about the modelling, for example, is that I've just met so many really great people. Just that you can just get get get, get along with, and you can just kind of have a chat and have a laugh. And it's the same in the acting and filmmaking stuff. You just, you just meet all these uh, really good people. So it's it's just surrounding yourself with uh, good people, and and I've got a supportive family as well oh well that's really good and and it's very refreshing and, and really good to hear that you're having that type of experience within that industry because you know um, I'm sure we've all heard of um, some of the stories from you know modeling and acting and it can be a little bit cutthroat and, and quite bitchy sometimes but um, I'm so happy to hear that you're having a good time well, uh, well I'm not going to lie. I, I have met some people who are like that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've had some encounters with people like that. But uh, I'd say for, for, for me, the, the good outweigh the bad. 
Well, I'm really, really pleased to hear about that. Yeah. And, and um, uh, yeah, I'm, I was just going to ask you, I'm going because you're talking about the play and I want to come on to that. But is it OK if I just um, I just want to ask you, you know, you were you were assessed and diagnosed um, eight, nine years ago. And what was that like? Because I, I always ask my guests like that. And and I thought it was really pretty tough, actually. And I, I, I find it very stressful going up to assessment. Um, during it, I was misdiagnosed. Then I had to do it again. It cost lots of money. And then what happens when you've been diagnosed? It's that post-diagnosis. So what was your journey like? Was it straightforward for you or, or did you find it difficult? Um, I found it kind of freeing in a way because I, I suppose like for the first time, I just kind of felt like I just understood myself more and I, I, I now knew why I am the way I am and why I was doing all these things like we talked earlier about the as a kid you know with the the flapping and the stimming like yeah why so now having an answer for things like that oh and it's it's just it's you know I find it very emotional and it doesn't take much to set me off um, crying <laughs> but um, you know sitting in front of somebody who I trusted because the first time I did I, I did it was horrible but the second time it, it's the validation it's it's being heard isn't it and actually yeah. at the end of it somebody's saying you are autistic and it, it, it's it's quite a, a weight off your shoulders and and you used a really good word it's freeing isn't it yeah what did you do when when the, when they actually said and they gave you your um, diagnosis what was the sort of first thing that you actually did practically i started looking for more support within college like straight, really? straight away just for right i'm I'm, I'm, I'm autistic, I can now sort of tell people and then see what kind of supports I can get in place. And did you get support? That's, you know, that's the biggest yeah. thing. Did it get better when you, when you had your piece of paper and you could actually go and say, what support can I have? Because I am struggling. Yeah. Good. You know, that's so, that is so important. And this is what we advocate for. We're trying to move that along so that because there's lots of undiagnosed people who go through academia and have a horrible time, don't they? Yeah. And, and you know, it's, you know, we just don't, we don't want to see that struggle, but it's, it's work in progress. We have to work hard. So at the beginning, I was saying that um, I, I'd recently listened to an audio play and uh, it was written and directed by another fabulous guest that we had on the podcast, um, Samantha Grierson, who I, I absolutely love her. And uh, she's, um, she's written and directed a, a number of audio plays. But this particular one was called How to Drop a Piano, in which you play River Cooper. And um, please tell me how it came for you to be the lead part in the play and a little bit about who you were working with and what the play's about, because it's fantastic, How to Drop a Piano. Uh, so it came about when a, a friend of mine who... Another previous guest on your show, uh, Paul Isaacs, who is a wonderful uh, speaker and uh, advocate, he'd sent me a link to Samantha's uh, website 
with all her podcasts on and I started listening to a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, the one with uh, Miriam Margulies. <laughs> She's brilliant. Which, brilliant, yeah. So I just reached out to her and got in touch and said, you know, I'm, I'm autistic, I'm an actor, I've listened to some of your work, I think it's really good. Then she messaged me back and we started talking and then we had a, a, a Zoom chat uh, later on and and then she was just like oh, I just I want to work with you I want to cast you in a in a play so she, she wrote this play about a struggling actor called River who goes to stay at a B&B in Stratford-upon-Haven you know, the, the home of, of Shakespeare yes yeah and they're there to rehearse lines for a just a just a really badly written play, yeah. and they just end up meeting some of the other people there and finding sort of more inspiration, I guess. And there were such fantastic characters. Who were the um, who were the other actors and uh, the characters? Uh, so we had uh, Jane Asher playing. Margaret, the the B and B owner, and um, no, this is the horrible part where I now start struggling to remember names. <coughs> Leslie, somebody Leslie, um, that she was on Birds of a Feather. Yes, with the dark hair. Yes, I can't remember her name. I know it's Leslie, and she was really good. But I loved Margaret. She she was she loved you to bits, didn't she? Yeah. She absolutely folded you in her arms. And uh, I listened to the play around Halloween. What, what was the sort of connection to the spooky part in the play? What happened in the play that was a bit spooky? Oh, yeah, we had a, a seance. <laughs> I love, you've got to have a seance. It's yeah. so good. And, and what I loved, because she was a hoarder, wasn't she? And they were, um, you know, they were trying to get her to get rid of her stuff. And then it leads on to the, the sort of, you know, the final scene. And uh, it's great. So, again, we'll put the link on for um, How to Drop a Piano. But your part in your character was, was really good. And everybody, everybody wants to love you and, and hope that your career goes forth and that you perhaps get into Shakespeare. But it's a fantastic play. So, um, you know, I definitely put the link on for that. And, um, you know, when we had a little bit of a chat before, uh, I was really interested about this because um, I'm on LinkedIn quite a lot and I'm always, um, you know, shouting out about LinkedIn. It, work, you know, it works very much for me as a 56-year-old late diagnosed um, autistic person. And um, I'm often seeing the National um, Autistic Society. And um, I think Jane Asher, is she the patron of the National yeah, she's the, the president. The president. The yeah. Autistic Society. Yeah, and that's absolutely fantastic. And, uh, and I think if I'm right in saying that it was, it was through the National Autistic Society that you've actually got the job that you've been in for um, a while now. Um, is that right? Was it through the National Autistic Society that you got this job? Yes, I, I work for the National Autistic Society at one of their residential homes caring for young autistic adults. Is, and are you in Barnsley? 
Yes. Yeah, so you're, I love that, Barnsley. I just love that. <laughs> I'm going all Miranda now. I think Barnsley, I love it. So, so you're, you're in Barnsley and you're working with young autistic adults. And um, are they um, a, a different support needs? Do you have autistic adults who perhaps might have learning difficulties? Um, tell me a little bit about your job because, and also the fact that you're autistic as well, working with them and how that helps. Um, yeah, so well, all of our residents, a lot of them have learning difficulties and can present uh, challenging behaviours. So they do require a lot of support in their daily life. But oh, but overall, they're they're, they're lovely. I, I love working with our residents. Do you have a bit of a laugh a lot as well? Oh, we do. Yes. <laughs> Um, they could oh, tell me you've got to give me a you've got to give me a little anecdote now tell me a um a funny little vignette um i'm putting you on the spot now sorry man <laughs> well to be honest i'm trying to i'm just trying to think of like maybe what can i say and what can't i say um, oh yes of course yes but oh yeah yeah no i'm gonna i'm gonna whiz past that bit then <laughs> but, but but they, they but they can be very very funny at times they, they 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 have quite the personalities of course they do and i mean the thing is is that you know yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'll, I'll tell you one that just pops into my head i think this oh, yes, is, this is okay to say we we took a resident on a, on an outing me and another staff member just for like a just like a local walk uh through a, a trail uh nearby that the transpennine trail he, oh yeah. You know, yeah yeah through transpennine trail nearby and he sort of ran ahead a bit he, he got a bit too far ahead so we we called we, we called him back we were like come back here and, and he just turned around and went come back here <laughs> like very very mockingly and he was just it's so funny. Oh, I love it. Because yeah. um, a lot of people have got uh, echolalia as well, haven't they? And they just, they, they, love they have, yeah. echo and echo what other people say and mimic what other people say. Mm. Do you, uh, did, did you do that when you were younger? I was an absolute expert at that. I, I was always impersonating, improvising, mimicking, talking gobbledygook. When yeah. I yeah, I think, yeah, I did do that a lot as a kid. Did you have any any particular phrase that you used to say? Do you remember? Mm, no, no, nothing that nothing that really stood out. No. There's a program um, back in the seventies called "Are You Being Served?" And <laughs> <laughs> so, so for me, it was constantly, um, "Are you free?" <laughs> you know, that's a, oh, sorry, it's so embarrassing, but anyway, I love all that. And I think, I, you know, I don't know how many neurotypical people will listen to the podcast, and I hope they do. But I think, you know, for a lot of neurotypical people, they just imagine um, autistic people to be, you know, really struggling and really, you know, having very, very high support needs, you know, rocking and flapping and not being able to talk and shouting and misbehaving and everything like that. And And actually... You know, it's that thing, you know, once you've met one autistic person, you've met one autistic person. You exactly. Yeah. Autistic people and just discover that, you know, 
I'm writing a book called The Alien Within because I have felt like an alien. But we're not aliens. We're just the same, we're the same as everybody else. It's just that we have some quirky things that we do. But if you, if you get to know us, we're quite fun, really, aren't we, Mavs? Yeah. <laughs> we absolutely are. Yeah, because so, like, like, a lot of the residents that I work with, they, they are like that. They do have high support needs and they can be quite quite challenging in their behavior but they're also into things like you know they they like to go for walks and they they they, they enjoy music they love sitting and listening to music and and like and one of one of my residents she loves watching uh, the shrek movies who doesn't like watching shrek I absolutely love watching Shrek and and uh, certainly my um, son's bedroom smell like the swamp so uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Shrek but um, I have to say I'm binge watching Grey's Anatomy at the moment but anyway I've got enough series on that one blimey um, <laughs> so when you're not uh, working really really hard taking part in photo shoots and fashion shows and all the rest of it you know what do you do how do you relax i usually relax by i i like to play my uh, video games i enjoy just playing games and uh, watching movies and tv shows what's just... your favorite film and what's your favorite tv show i've done it again i keep putting you on the spot i'm not the biggest fan of that question uh there's too many, honestly, too many. I think too many, to, too many to think of. But that's good, though. That's good. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're watching lots of different things, but I only like to watch horror, a horror film at lunchtime to calm me down, or Grey's Anatomy hmm. on a loop. Yeah. Well, no, I, I, I do enjoy watching a lot of di different things. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, at, at the moment, I've just for the past few days kind of been scrolling through Netflix just to try and find all kinds of different things to to watch. Uh, yeah I have to say I'm not terribly impressed. Uh, uh, my husband spends more time scrolling than watching and then I have to go off and make a cup of tea or something. <laughs> so um, you know Mabs I really hope that as we you know as you go forward that more opportunities are going to be coming up for you and uh, you were telling me earlier you've got something coming up that you're um, a bit excited about what's that uh, it's a, a casting day for a, a, a modeling agency and that is exciting where's that going to be happening in london oh and and you've done some you've had you've done some digging around to make sure that you know that they're they're pucker and that they're okay and that is important you know we've been um we've been burnt actually before but but you've done your you know you know who they are you've spoken to friends you've looked at their stuff and you know absolutely absolutely wish you all the best for that and and for your acting you know i love listening to you on how to drop a piano you you know you've got a wonderful voice and you know, I just love listening to you, actually. But uh, I do like to ask all of my guests as the last question, if it's okay, because we're all there in, in some way to help somebody else. If we can do one thing that can help somebody else, then I think, we, you know, we, well, it's a good thing, really. So the question is, um, it's a big question, but just 
answer it in your own way, however you want to answer it. How would you like to see positive change at home, at school and in the workplace to help all neurodivergent people be included and respected as valuable members of society? Wow. Um, I think really the answer is just more uh, education, more awareness. We just need to get, uh, be able to go to places like schools and workplaces and just be able to uh, talk to people there, answer people's questions because I do think I do think a lot of people want to know about autism I think a lot of people are really open to wanting to learn more and wanting to learn how to how they can help how they can best support uh, students employees colleagues friends family like for the past few months I've been part of the uh, one of the presenters on the uh, Oliver McGowan campaign. Oh. Which is... What's that? It's It was set up by uh, Paula McGowan after her son Oliver very tragically died in hospital from uh, medical negligence due to doctors just not understanding his autism and how he how it like manifested in him and how to support him yeah i mean that's kind of a simplified way of putting it but um we can look we can look it up his name is oliver mcgowan mcgowan yeah okay so perhaps um if you've got a link for the work that you're doing we can put that at the end of the podcast so that people can have a look at that yeah definitely um so that's been the campaign is to make it mandatory for people working in health and social care to have training in uh, understanding autism and how to support autistic people oh that's good that's exactly what we need that's action isn't it Mavs yeah and the response that I've seen from a lot of the people that we've done, because I've done seven of them. Oh, right. And we've had really great responses from people. And you can, you can, you can see that, that, that there are people who, who they, that, that do want to learn. There are people who genuinely want to learn more. They want to be better educated. They want to know how best to support people who are autistic and and my hope with things like this campaigns like Oliver's campaign is that we can go further like from beyond health and social care and into places like the education education system schools colleges and and in workplaces just workplaces in general. Yes, absolutely. And, and you are right. And, and I mean, I'd like to do that. You know, I, I speak about something else and, um, and I enjoy doing that. But, but this is much more worthwhile. I would like to get in front of schools and to say, this is autism. 
you know, because people often say to me, you don't look autistic. You know, <laughs> you know, they say that to me a lot. And I don't, you know, a lot of the time because I wear a mask. But the thing is, is, is I, like, I, I like the idea of being able to stand up in front of parents or schools or businesses and say, this is the face of, this is just as much the face of autism as, you know, what, what you think autism looks like. And it might even help people who are not diagnosed, who are wondering about themselves, wondering whether maybe they've got ADHD or autism or they're, you know, or undiagnosed dyslexia or anything, or why, why are they ticking or why, you know, why are they so terrible at maths, you know, all these different things it, but it is about action and getting up and 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 it's great that that you're well you're right in amongst it because you're working within a you know um a, a, a social field and you're helping with this campaign and and it's just absolutely amazing so Mavs, thank you so much for coming on the podcast again i've loved talking to you today and um, i wish you all the best and uh and I'll definitely keep following you and looking at your beautiful, beautiful photographs. And good luck with the fashion shoot. Thank you. Take care. You All too. All the best. Take care. Bye, Mabs. Lovely speaking to you. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you very much for listening to the Neurodivergence and Mental Health Podcast. Links and resources will be at the end in the show notes. I very much look forward to meeting you again. Thanks for listening. Bye.